Welcome to Live Well Anyway. I'm your host, Mackenzie Kappa. On this podcast, I help you learn how to feel healthy, look good, and plan a life you actually like in the midst of all the everyday chaos. I'm so glad you're here. And today, ladies, I have a really interesting guest on the show. I was so amazed at the end of this episode how many great, quick tips of things she gave for just making your life overall more healthy. But specifically, she links a lot of it back to how having a healthy diet and a healthy gut and reducing inflammation and all those kinds of things leads to less acne and actually clearing and healing skin. And I know so many of us deal with stress breakouts or we have teenagers who have acne and we aren't maybe finding the solutions that we want or need. Well, in this episode, we talk about all of it with Maria Marlowe and she's got just so much. This episode is so packed. You're going to want to visit the show notes. You can find them at MackenzieCappa.com. I listed out a lot of the great tips that she gives. So there is so much over there. Don't miss out on any of it. This is a must listen. But before we get there, I also wanted to mention, for those of you who are not aware, I have a very handy back-to-school toolkit that is available for purchase in my digital shop right now. So you can go over to mckenziecoppa.com and click on shop, and there you will be able to find this digital toolkit. It has a workbook that will take you through all of the things to get ready for back to school. Everything from making your brain dump to your calendar to getting your meals ready and routines and like all the things. There's also the ultimate all the things checklist for back to school. Everything that maybe you didn't even think about that you need to either do or get for back to school is on this list. I also have a really handy student page that is a customizable Canva template so you can customize it for your particular student. It can have all of their routines printed on it, all the activities that they have throughout the week. It's a great place to just kind of have as a reference for both you and your kids. You can put it on the fridge or a door or wherever so that you can keep it kind of front of mind what they are expected to do and when they're expected to do it and what is going on when. You can make the colors all customized to your kid and their preferences. I think it's pretty awesome. And in there is also, because yes, there's even more in there, there is a Trello board template with even more goods even more steps to help you get through the whole back to school season and feel like you are rolling into the new year without all of the chaos. And it's got places for you to put all of your brain dump items. It's got places for you to link up the PDFs from all of the teachers and all of the things. So you have one place that has all the stuff all together. So you're not searching all over all year. It's just like one central spot to keep everything you need for back to school and throughout the school year. I think this toolkit is invaluable. I think it's awesome. I use it myself and I think you are really going to love it and it's going to simplify your back to school too. So head over to mckenziecoppa.com slash shop to find everything you need there in the back to school toolkit. Okay, without further ado, let's dive into this conversation with Maria Marlowe, where we are going to talk about healthy, nutritious eating and how that can impact acne and really the rest of your life too. Welcome, Maria. Thanks so much for having me, Mackenzie. I am so looking forward to having you on the show today because I think this is such a relevant topic and one that we don't get to the heart of enough, and I'm sure we're going to get into that more throughout this episode. But as we are getting started, would you just like to go ahead and introduce yourself? 
Sure, I'm Maria Marlowe. I'm a holistic nutritionist that specializes in acne. And I am a huge believer that food is our most powerful medicine. I love that. And I think it's so relevant, especially when we're talking about a topic like this today with skincare and acne, because I mean, I think for a lot of things in our country, we don't come at them from the preventative standpoint or from the inside out. It's not like getting to the root cause of things. It's either like treating it afterward or especially as skincare goes, like just focusing on the topical treatments when so much of it is about our health and our lifestyle and our nutrition. And so I'm so excited when I got the email that this was what you're like, all about. I was like, oh, yes, book her. That is going to be a great episode. I can't wait to help all of us who have like teens who are dealing with acne, but then also the moms who have stress and things break out and all of that. So I'm just, I'm so excited to get into all the goods with you today. Yeah. And I think it's really important to just start off with the fact that I didn't grow up with this as my career goal. Um, Well, that's actually what I was going to ask you. Like, how did you even get here? Yeah, well, I had really bad acne. So well, there you go. Yeah. So I had I had really bad acne uh, for like four and a half, almost five years, despite trying all the things. So when I first got acne, like in my later teen years, I started with the drugstore stuff, the Clearasil and the apricot scrubs and the clean and clear and all that stuff. Then I started the proactive, which was very popular at the time. Mm -hmm. Then I went to dermatologists and, you know, went with one for a while. I I was put on antibiotics. I was put on spironolactone. I was put on birth control. Um, And, you know, over the course of this almost five years, I went through this whole totem pole of, of acne medications and none of them worked or they would work for a little while and then it would come back or some of them actually made my acne worse. Like there are many acne medications, especially the topicals that just make your skin more red and inflamed. And for a long time, I thought I was cursed. I could not find any other reason for why I was still breaking out despite doing all the things I was told to do. And um, I, I, it actually really, you know, I really feel for anyone who has acne, especially teenagers, I mean, really of any age, because acne is on our face, like it really does take stab at our our self esteem. And, you know, I had gotten to a point where, like, I really like, I literally thought something was wrong with me, I was broken, my body's not responding properly to the medications and everything. And uh, long story short, when I got to college, I was complaining about my skin to a friend of mine over lunch. And mind you, I'm eating like two slices of pizza, Coca-Cola and Entenmann's chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. And she, she's like, you know, it might, your acne might be caused by what you're eating. And I nearly, you know, spit my, my Coca-Cola out of my nose. <laughs> I was like, you know, no one ever told me this. Like, uh, this is just a completely alien concept at the time, I feel like now there is more of an awareness around the food and skin connection. But back then it was not talked about at all. In fact, it was like very vehemently denied if you tried to bring it up. Mm-hmm. And anyway, I was I was desperate and willing to try anything. So uh, I, I drastically overhauled my diet uh, and worked on repairing my gut because I was on a lot of antibiotics, not even mm-hmm. just for acting. as a child growing up, I was always on antibiotics. And so um, my gut was not great. I was always bloated, had a lot of digestive issues, which by the way, I was not putting two and two up together at the time. I thought they were sure. completely separate. Uh, but 
worked on, on improving my, my diet and my gut health and my skin cleared up in a matter of three months. Wow. Yeah. I was blown away. I was like, what the heck? And to be honest, I didn't believe it. I was like, my prayers have finally been answered. And this must be coincidental. There's no way this actually worked. And so I went back to eating my pizza and my cookies and my Coca-Cola. And of course, my skin immediately broke out. And then after that second time, I was like, okay, fine. I guess it really is the food. And then that is what really set me off on this journey. Wow. I mean, it's so crazy when we see like such immediate shifts in our body for things like that. And it's, you know, I, I totally remember, like, I feel like we kind of grew up in similar era of things were just like not, people didn't put together the pieces or it was considered very alternative or, you know, you just, you didn't get to the heart of things. And I think it's so interesting that you were able to do that. My mom, I know she would always say like, if you're having a breakout, like stop eating all the chocolate, stop with the caffeine, like all of those things are pertaining. But of course, a lot of people just, they don't want to do that or they don't want to overhaul their diets or, but it really is affecting so many more things in our bodies than we often give it credit for, I think. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I grew up personally, I grew up on the standard American diet. You know, I didn't eat a vegetable besides for French fries and tomato sauce until I was like <laughs> eight years old. <laughs> so yeah. you know, whatever diet you're eating now, I promise you, mine was a, a million times worse. And I was only eating processed food. So so I'm a bit of an extreme case. But when I had this epiphany of it, it clearing my skin, I also noticed that I had lost about 20 pounds, not, yeah. not over the, but over a little bit longer, I lost about 20 pounds. Um, I stopped getting sick as often. So I used to be sick all the time, like every cold and flu season, I got a cold or flu or multiple, I was always sick. And I realized, wait, this cold and flu season, I didn't have any colds and flus, you know, and, and it kept mm-hmm. going and going. like over years, like, rarely getting sick. Um, I noticed my mood was better. Um, just everything seemed to improve when I improved my diet. And that is what ultimately led me to decide to go back to school to study nutrition and healthy cooking. So I can teach other people how to use food as medicine, because it really is so, so incredibly powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And like you were saying, just even like, I know you talk about this, I think is the gut brain connection, like you feel different, you're in a better mood, even when you get your gut back together. Yeah, you know, there's actually pretty a lot of interesting uh, research on this gut brain skin connection. And Mm -hmm. even though we're talking about it now, like, I don't remember really ever hearing about this 10 years ago. Uh, But and, you know, as far back as 100 years ago, there were uh, two dermatologists that started looking into this and basically created the the framework uh, around this whole gut brain skin connection, or they kind of came up with the hypothesis around it. And what they found, which has been, uh, you know, repeated it, uh, over time, is that negative thoughts or emotions, uh, such as sadness or fear, they can actually disrupt your gut microbiome by decreasing some of those good bacteria, which allows the pro-inflammatory and pathogenic or opportunistic bacteria to proliferate. 
And as a result, this creates inflammation in the gut, which then creates inflammation throughout the body. And that inflammation can then show up on your skin. And if you think about acne, what is it? It's inflammation of the skin. And so that is really this whole kind of circle, how stressful thoughts disrupt our gut, which then creates breakouts. And or if you just have a disrupted gut, that's also creating breakouts. So it's really, really interesting, you know, the more and more research that we have on on this gut brain skin connection. And it's, uh, I think it's really helpful for anyone who is doing all the topical things and all the conventional things to clear their skin and not getting results. If you haven't looked into this gut brain skin connection and started to work on managing your stress, improving your gut health, improving your diet, like that is 100% the missing link. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting to see how that all plays together. And even a hundred years ago, they were doing research into that. It's just taken this long to kind of catch up and like start to become a little bit more mainstream. Okay, ladies, I may have mentioned a few times lately that I am currently in my pastry era, (laughs) that I am really enjoying a good pastry here and there, maybe as a little bit of a coping mechanism. I don't know. I really, really adore a pastry. However, with that being said, I also have felt a need to be re-upping my health game. I mean, that's all of the stuff that we're talking about in this episode, that it's so important that we're paying attention to what we're eating, what we're putting in our bodies. We're not trying to have too much excess sugar. We want to be fueling our bodies, not just eating pastries all the time. So while those might be an occasional treat that I am having, I'm really trying to find ways to nourish my body on a daily basis that are not only going to help my body feel better, but my brain, because I have found myself to be so forgetful and overwhelmed. And so I'm always looking for things that are going to allow my brain to work better, reduce my stress levels, keep me focused. And that is exactly what I get from Mosh Bars. I love these things. They come in six delicious flavors that I'm so excited about. My favorite is the chocolate peanut butter, which kind of surprised me. I thought I'd be just like a pure chocolate gal, but I really like the chocolate peanut butter. It's kind of chewy. And these bars are packed with 12 grams of protein and ingredients that support your brain health, like ashwagandha, lion's mane, collagen, and omega-3s. At 160 calories and only one gram of sugar, Mosh protein bars are the guilt free snack your brain and body will crave. I mean, our brains are our number one tool, which is why Mosh protein bars are mindfully formulated by some of the top neuroscientists and functional nutritionists. They are so well thought out and I really do crave them. I find that I am having them typically as like a mid-afternoon snack when I'm just wanting to have a little something something, but I'm not wanting to dig into something like a bag of chips or another pastry. (laughs) I am turning to Mosh bars because they actually taste good and knowing that they are doing so many great things for my body and my brain really excites me. I've been trying to get as much work as I can done this summer and having something like this that fuels me and helps me to stay focused and reduce those stress levels has been so helpful. So don't settle for a mediocre snack when you can nourish your body and your mind with the fuel it needs to succeed. So whether you're at the gym, on the go, or just living your best life, 
Mosh Protein Bars will keep your brain and body fit, fueled, and feeling good. Head to moshlife.com slash livewell to save 20% off plus free shipping on your first six-count trial pack. That's 20% off plus free shipping on your first six-count trial pack, which includes all six mouthwatering flavors. M-O-S-H-L-I-F-E dot com slash livewell. But okay, I I want to get to like the hormonal teen acne in a second, but we're seem to be hitting on this stress thing. So sometimes we have stress. <laughs> For my listeners who follow me, they know I have a lot of stress that I can't control in my life. And so what do you do? What do you do when you're plagued with stress that is really outside of your control? How can you give yourself a leg up nutritionally to help mitigate some of those inflammatory effects? Yeah, I love this question. It's a great question. So, well, first off, we talked about the stress creating the inflammation, which is a big, big issue. But another way that stress can influence acne development is by increasing the oil production. So mm-hmm. other studies have shown that when we're stressed, we know that the, the hormone cortisol rises. And this hormone actually increases the oil production in the skin or causes our skin to produce more oil. The more oil you have, the more likely your pores are to get clogged, the more likely you are to break out. So it's kind of like a double whammy there. Um, and so you, you said we, we all have stress. Every yeah. single one of us is bombarded with stress. And I think now so more than ever before, because it's not even our own personal stress we're dealing with. We're also dealing with the stress of the world, with the social mm-hmm. media, the 24 hour news cycle. And so we're just constantly overwhelmed and overloaded with all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that can be most, most helpful for you and all of your listeners is the idea that nothing in and of itself is stressful. It's your perception that makes it so. So let me give you an example. We all know someone who can get a scratch on their car, like a little teeny tiny scratch and just go ballistic. You know, you can see their blood pressure starts rising and you know they're getting agitated and, and very upset about this little scratch on the car. And then you probably know somebody else who is driving a super beat up, scratched up, dinged up car. And when they get a little scratch, like they don't care. Like it doesn't phase them at all. It doesn't disrupt their peace. And it's the same exact event that's happening, the scratch on the car, but they're having two very different reactions. And so that can apply to really anything in your life. Um, Now, of course, there are some events that you know, are are more universally stressing than say a scratch on the car. But the important thing to remember is that you are in control of your response. And this is not something I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not saying it's something that can necessarily be changed over overnight. But there's a great book called Loving What Is by Byron Katie. And it really helps you to kind of shift that perspective around what you allow to stress you out. Um, and yeah, it was, it was really pivotal in my own journey because I come from a family of very anxious people who are stressed out all the time over everything. And And so, yeah, it was a game changer for me. And it's something I recommend to all my clients and like, I've gotten such great, you know, response from it. So I think that that mindset shift is, is really, um, is really key. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that mindset can definitely make a big difference in your life in so many ways, for sure. Like 
that's what we're kind of about here. Like live well anyway, even when things are not going well, you you make the most of it and you try to keep going. But sometimes there are legitimate things that are really yeah. stressful, like court or illness or divorce or, you know, like custody battles and like all that kind of thing that so much of it is really it legitimately scary or stressful or, you know, and yes, we can still to a certain extent handle how we respond to those things. But some of those things, like there is inherent stress that you just can't get away from. So if that's if that's the level we're talking about, not a ding on a car, <laughs> we're talking about like legitimate, like life event kinds of stressful things. What thing, what other things beyond yeah. our mindset can we be doing to support our systems? Yes. And I'll just add to that. Like, yes, there are definitely things in life, like you mentioned, court cases and illnesses that are more stressful. But I would just challenge the idea that you still don't like that you don't have control of it. You always have control over the response. Sure. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying what anyone's wrong or right for, for how they respond. I'm just saying that um, once you realize that you really do have control over your thoughts, like it's... Um, you know, initially, yes, maybe it's the small things that you stop sweating. But over time, the things that you consider small stuff, like starts starts growing, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. just, just throwing that out there. But yes, there's still times that we're going to be stressed. So there are a couple of things that can help. So number one, um, green tea, green tea and matcha green tea has been shown to reduce the stress hormone cortisol. So um, interesting. That you can, yeah. So and that's a very easy thing that you can incorporate into your routine. And even mm-hmm. though green tea does have caffeine, it also has something called L-theanine, which doesn't have the same effect on your body as a green tea doesn't have the same effect on your body as say coffee, right? With coffee, you know, sometimes people can get a little bit anxious and jittery from the caffeine, but mm-hmm. with green tea, it gives you more of a calm focused energy. Um, and, and like I said, helps reduce that stress hormone cortisol. So incorporating that into your daily routine may be helpful. Another thing that could be helpful is incorporating more anti-inflammatory foods because stress creates inflammation, right? We talked about it in creating inflammation in the gut and body wide. And so our diet is a excellent way to reduce and combat some of that inflammation. So some of my favorite anti-inflammatory foods are things like turmeric, which is the spice you can kind of add to pretty much anything you're cooking, like eggs or curries or stir fries uh, with a little pinch of black pepper as well. Ginger, you could do a ginger tea or um, add ginger and garlic to stir fries, uh, add it to smoothies. uh, And Basically, anything that's brightly colored, like your dark leafy green vegetables, those are great. Berries, blueberries, blackberries, strawberries, all of these are going to have powerful anti-inflammatory benefits. So adding those into your diet. And the last thing I'll say with stress is taking a probiotic. Because if your stress is decimating or, or negatively impacting that good bacteria in your gut, we know that the gut is uh 
really the root of our health. And so if our gut is not in good shape, our immune system is not going to be as strong as it can be. Our skin is not going to be as clear and healthy as it can be. Our mood is not going to be as good, right? It's this whole sort of domino effect. If the gut's not good, the rest of our health is not good. So if we can uh, reintroduce that good bacteria into the gut to help keep the gut microbiome more balanced, that helps with our digestion, that helps with our immune system, our skin, our mood you know, our health overall. So taking a high quality probiotic can also help. Now I've heard a lot. I mean, I think probiotics have been a little bit more mainstream for a while now, but now I'm hearing a lot more and have taken prebiotics. So what are your thoughts on those? And what do you see the differences being? And yeah, would you talk about that for a second? Sure. Probiotics are the good bacteria that are found typically in our gut and other areas of our body. We have bacteria on our skin and our mouth and our, um, uh, basically we're, we're just walking bacteria. And so, um, we need, we need a balance of these, of, of bacteria in order to be healthy. So probiotics are really important. Now, Various things can influence the levels of bacteria in our body. So things like stress, our diet, um, um, our exposure to pollution and chemicals and pesticides, medications, all of these things will influence our gut bacteria. So what prebiotics do, they are food for the probiotics and they help the probiotics that you already have in your gut to flourish and to proliferate. So you really need both. Prebiotics mm -hmm. are found in uh, fiber rich foods and probiotics are typically or naturally found in fermented foods. So things like sauerkraut, kimchi, et cetera. Interesting. That was such a great explanation of that because I have you know seen both for so long, but never really had the explanation in that way that the prebiotics are the food for the probiotics. That is very helpful. <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, and, and we need both. We totally need yeah. both. So, and you have a company that sells both or just probiotics? Yeah, so I have a company called Kuma that makes a probiotic called Globiome. And Globiome is a probiotic mixed with a prebiotic. Because, okay. like I said, it's important to have both. Mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, so we use six clinically validated probiotic strains that support gut and skin health. And then we mix it with a prebiotic from chicory root, um, which is like a, it's a vegetable and mm -hmm. it supports overall gut and skin health. Interesting. Okay. Well, I love that. Okay. So this, you know, we've been talking a lot about the stress response and how that can definitely lead to more acne. And that was so interesting what you said about the oils, because I am so oily. I was like, oh, no wonder, no wonder I can't get on board with the like never washing your hair thing that everybody does. It's, it's the stress. It's the, the cortisol creating the oil. All right, ladies, we are going to take a really quick break to hear from one of today's sponsors, and that is Fontana Candle Company. You guys, I have talked about them before, and it's really no secret that I am a fan of Fontana Candle Company, and they're 100% natural, essential oil-scented candles. I 
love that they are so reputable, so trustworthy. It's so hard to find candles that aren't going to be, you know, like carcinogenic and be putting a whole bunch of junk into your house. But Fontana Candle Company candles are the real deal. They actually share 100% of their ingredients right on the label, something that most candle companies would never even dream of doing. They actually started out being the first candle company to have their candles independently certified as non-toxic by Made Safe, and now they have over 75 products certified. I love that I just can buy whatever from their store and know that I can trust it and it's totally safe for me and my family. Because in addition to their candles, they also have natural bath soaks. You've probably heard me talk about these before. I love these. They are some of the most luscious and amazing bath soaks I've ever had. And I take a bath almost every single night. They've got like pieces of lavender right there in them. And they've got coconut oil mixed in with the salts and like all these wonderful yummy things that you put in your bath. It feels so luxurious and amazing. They also have wax melts and room sprays. Fontana continues to expand their mission beyond crafting just clean candles. And they are launching their natural bar soaps and lip balms this month as well. I can't wait to be able to get a lemongrass eucalyptus candle plus their room spray and their bath soak and their lip balm and their bar soap. I can get the entire collection and my favorite scent. I'm so excited. And not only are they launching new products, but they're getting a new name too. So look out for their rebrand to Fontana Essentials this summer. They're the same great company, great team, and great products, just with a fun new name to match their expanded product selection. So head over to Fontana Candle company.com and add yourself to their email list to receive all the updates on their new product launches. And if you can't wait and you want to place your order right now, use the code LIVEWELL at fontanacandlecompany.com for 15% off your order. Again, that's code LIVEWELL at fontanacandlecompany.com for 15% off your order. There's also a large part of acne that has to do with hormones. So mm-hmm. would you talk about the hormonal side of acne? And and if you see, and maybe you'll get into this, maybe I'm asking too many questions at once, but a difference in hormonal acne from like teen hormonal acne to hormones that can come up later in life. And yeah, talk mm-hmm. to me about hormones and acne. Sure. So I think first and foremost, the most important thing to understand about acne is that it is considered an inflammatory condition. Okay. So back in the day... Um, it was considered a bacterial infection. So I'm sure you've heard that, you know, acne is caused by bacteria. You've probably heard about the quote unquote acne causing bacteria, P. acnes, or now it's renamed C. acnes bacteria. I know as a, you know, a kid growing up, that's what all I wrote about in my teen magazines was this bacteria and how we needed to kill it with uh, various topicals. And the truth of the matter is since the 1980s, a number of studies have indicated that acne causing bacteria, basically bacteria has been the scapegoat for acne all of these years, but is not the actual cause. So yes, we do have bacteria on our face, but just the way that we have, um, you know, good bacteria and more opportunistic bacteria in our gut, we also have them on our skin. And it turns out this bacteria that we have been fighting all these years is actually a commensal or good bacteria. It's found on clear, healthy skin in equal amounts as those with acne. And you could have acne and not have this bacteria. So in the early 2000s or around like 2010s, um, 
acne was actually reclassified from a bacterial infection to an inflammatory condition. So if you look up, yeah, if, if you look up what acne is or the definition of acne, it is considered and classified as an inflammatory condition. So this is all acne, including hormonal acne, any kind of acne, inflammation is believed to be the root cause of it. And so that's, that's really number one, that's like the most important thing to understand. The Mm -hmm. second thing to understand is that we call hormonal acne, like the acne that, you know, comes around our period or um, acne caused by different hormonal imbalances. But the truth of the matter is, all acne to some extent is hormonal because it's our hormones that control our sebaceous glands and are pumping out that oil that's clogging the pores. So when it comes to hormonal acne, I always, you know, tell people to first think about why or ask themselves, why are their hormones imbalanced? Because our bodies are always trying to bring us to a state of homeostasis or um, like our our bodies are trying to keep us healthy. And so when something goes off balance, usually there is some impetus that is throwing it off balance. It's not going to just do that naturally. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to hormone imbalance, inflammation and certain foods can actually influence your hormones. So what we know, for example, is that sugar and a high glycemic diet can actually contribute to hormonal imbalance. And this hormonal imbalance turns on those oil spigots that are your oil glands and increases our risk of acne. So with if anyone is listening and has hormonal acne, the first place or the first thing I would look at is your blood sugar balance and how how are you um, how is your body dealing with with sugars? Um, Are you eating a high glycemic diet or a low glycemic diet? And in terms of like food and acne, there are basically two food groups that are very well established to contribute to acne. The first is dairy. And the second is refined sugar, refined carbohydrates or high glycemic diet. Um, And it with hormonal acne in particular, it's that high glycemic diet and dairy still also has an influence, but in particular, that high glycemic diet that is problematic. Um, And what I'll also throw in here is you don't need to eat dessert to have a high glycemic diet. You know, even savory foods, things like bread and pasta and cereal, like even non-sweet cereal, um, these things are refined carbohydrates and the way that our body digests and breaks down these refined carbohydrates is similar to sweet, you know, sweet candy and, and foods. And so um, it's creating that same blood sugar and insulin response, which is then creating the excess oil, the inflammation and the acne. So that is what I would say is if you have hormonal acne, any type of acne, the first place I would look at is is diet and, and blood sugar balance. That's so interesting. I think that we're hearing more and more about that blood sugar balance and how to be able to even things off. Because like you were saying, I, I think that like, I don't know what the statistic is completely, but like the a piece of white bread is the equivalent of like having a Snickers bar. Like we just we don't think about it oftentimes that way. And there's also things that we can be doing as we're eating, like eating higher fiber and eating protein with our carbs. And like we've been raised on that largely carb centered diet that doesn't 
allow for the glycemic index to just be pretty consistent through our lives. And so I think most people are dealing with so many more glycemic issues than they even realize because it's it's just starting to be talked about more. So I love that you're bringing that up. Yeah. And a couple of things I'll, I'll also add to that is that number one, um, if you are interested to kind of learn more and understand your body better and, and your own reaction to different foods, there are a bunch of companies now that have continuous glucose monitors, mm-hmm. which takes about two weeks, you slap it on your, your arm. And it will tell you in real time how not only food impacts your blood sugar, but also exercise, fighting with your partner, uh, really anything that's going on. And, you know, I did it uh, for the first time a few months ago, because I wanted to see for myself. And the interesting thing I will say is actually fighting with my husband over something (laughs) ridiculous spiked my blood sugar more than anything else that I was eating. So that was like, yeah, so stress definitely has has a lot of a lot of repercussions. But anyway, yes. So if you you think you might have uh, some blood sugar issues, using a continuous glucose monitor can help you course correct. So that's number one. Number two, um, you don't have to like, basically, the fact that high glycemic foods or eating too many high glycemic foods is associated with an increased risk of acne and other chronic diseases, illnesses, weight gain, diabetes, et cetera, heart disease. Um, that doesn't mean you can never eat these foods, but like sure. you mentioned, doing it smartly, right? Portion size matters. Um, what you eat it with matters. So one simple rule that I always like to tell people, no naked carbs. So if you're mm. going to have something sweet or dessert or rice or whatever, a high carbohydrate food, pair it with protein and fat. That's going to help keep your blood sugar more stable or eat the food at the end of the meal. It's better to eat dessert as dessert at the end of the meal versus as a midday snack when you're on an empty stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, consuming apple cider vinegar before meals, a tablespoon in a tall glass of water. That has been shown to be beneficial in helping to keep your blood sugar more stable. Taking a walk after meals. So if you do have, you know, I don't know, pasta for dinner, whatever you have, go for a 10, 20 minute walk. That's going to help keep your blood sugar more stable. And of course, throw some veggies, throw some protein in your pasta as well. Yeah. Uh, There's so many things that you can do to, um, you know, keep your blood sugar balanced and still still eat foods that you really enjoy. Yeah. And I think like getting just starting to be more aware of that and looking into those things, like even like you were saying, using a continuous glucose monitor or even just starting to read up on like, well, what are high glycemic index foods? Because I think even things like people think like, oh, I'm going to have a bowl of oatmeal for breakfast. That's healthy. And like oats are one of the things that just like skyrockets your glycemic index. Like you've got to be aware that a lot of this information that we have thought of for so long as being the standard of nutrition has actually been debunked. <laughs> like things aren't the same way that we have grown up thinking and we might have to kind of reframe the way that we're thinking. A lot of like we have to reframe our ideas about stress and what we allow to stress us. We have to reframe our ideas on nutrition and what is actually being found to be true <laughs> all these years later. Yeah, I mean I remember growing up on the food pyramid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where it was six to 11 servings of bread, cereal, rice, or pasta, which is 
recipe for dysregulated blood sugar. Yeah. And, you know, all, all the health issues that come with it. So yeah, that's obviously that's been replaced now. But a really simple rule of, I don't want to say rule of thumb, because I, I think that comes from a, a bad place, but a very simple guideline to follow um, is what I like to call the, the healthy plate ratio. So whenever you're sitting down to have a meal, whatever meal, you want to aim to about to have about 50% of your plate vegetables or like fiber, basically fiber rich vegetables, your dark leafy greens, your colorful peppers and tomatoes and, you know, whatever else uh, you want to put there. About 25% of your plate is a source of protein. So that could be uh, animal based or, or um, plant based. And then the other 25% of your plate could be a whole grain or a starchy vegetable like a, like sweet potato, for example. Um, and then you want some healthy fat on top. So whether that's olive oil, avocado, nuts, seeds, fat is a very healthy part of the diet as well. And of course, your animal protein is also going to have fat. And if you could just aim for that general ratio at most meals, you're going to be in a really good place. Yeah. And then also just eating it in order, eating your vegetables first actually makes a difference. So this is really, really fascinating. Have you heard about this? The order we haven't. Eat yeah, so this is actually a fascinating little tip. Uh, what the research shows is that the order in which you eat food actually affects your blood sugar. So if you sat down today and had a meal of, let's say, rice, uh, broccoli, and salmon, okay? If you mm -hmm. ate that today and you ate your vegetables first, then your salmon, then your rice, you're going to have better blood sugar control than if you ate the same exact meal, the same exact amount, uh, but you ate the rice first and then the protein and then the vegetables. And um, yeah, it's really fascinating. So these just little tweaks that you can make that will make a make a difference in, in your health. Yeah. And something as simple as that, just the order that you're eating it helps your body to process it in a better way. That's so interesting. Right. Because when you eat the fiber rich vegetables, it actually coats your intestines. And so when you then eat the, the starchy foods later on in the meal, less of that sugar is being uh, absorbed into your bloodstream. That's so interesting. Yeah. I I'm absorbing all of this because also my boyfriend's son has diabetes. And so it's like all those things that you're wanting to be conscientious of and like trying to keep the, you know, that baseline at a, a fairly, fairly good equilibrium. And so those are things that like, you just don't even think about, but something as simple as the order you eat things in can make a big difference. Okay, ladies, we are talking all in this episode about how we can be eating better and nourishing our bodies and our family's bodies so that we all operate at an optimum and our bodies are able to heal. Well, what is one of the number one things that we can be doing to help make sure that we actually are eating that food? You know what I'm going to say. You know you do. Say it with me. It's meal planning. That's right, you guys. You know that I am an obsessive meal planner, that I think it is the key to releasing so much stress in your life. I mean, that's another thing we're talking about in this episode, trying to reduce the stress levels. 
well, making sure that you know what your family is going to eat, that when people ask you that ever-loving question, what are we having for dinner tonight? Or what can I make for my lunch tomorrow? Or, you know, whatever, that you actually have the answers and you don't have to stress out about it. And you've been able to do your shopping because you had your list that was on your phone because your phone never gets left at home, right? I mean, you've always got that with you and Plan to Eat provides all of that. It's got a very simple drag and drop menu system. So you can take all of the recipes that your family already loves or new recipes that you're trying to cycle in that are even more healthy than what you've maybe been eating recently. You can find all those things on the internet, really easily copy them into Plan to Eat, and then Plan to Eat allows you to customize everything, every darn thing. I love this program. You can change the number of people that you're feeding. So you change the serving size. It automatically changes the recipe and also changes your shopping list. I mean, that is brilliant. So if you want to make something and have leftovers, it's a great way, especially as we're getting into back to school here, you guys. So you're planning for back to school. Maybe you plan your breakfast and you want to make a bunch of stuff that you can put in the freezer. Well, change the serving size. It will automatically change the shopping list. You make a whole bunch of it, pop it in the freezer, and you didn't have to do any math or any figuring out. You just had to make the stuff and get it ready to go. It simplifies your life so much. And that's not even talking about the menu feature, which you know I also love because you can create, let's say you decide at the beginning of the school year to create five or six week-long menus. You know kind of what activities you're going to be doing for the evening. You plug all those things in there. Plan to Eat then allows you to save it as a menu and then you can just repeat those same menus over and over and over again throughout the year. But when you've got five or six, it gives you enough variety that people don't feel like they're eating the same thing time and time again. And quite honestly, you're probably repeating those meals that same amount of time anyway. This just saves you the headache of having to do all of that planning again. It simplifies the process so much. It helps you keep track of what's in your freezer. You can create a queue. There are so many features to plan to eat once you get in there. You've got to check it out. So Plan to Eat is a subscription service. You can get it for $49 a year or $5.95 a month. But if you go through my link, which is plantoeat.com slash livewell, then you can get 30 days free and 30% off a yearly subscription. So head over there to plantoeat.com slash livewell. You can become my friend. We can share recipes and menus. And then you're also going to get that 30 days free and 30% off. Plandy.com slash live well. Okay, speaking of diet, now you have actually a diet or not a diet, but like a nutritional plan for people who are specifically wanting to kind of do what you did of overhauling what they're eating and allowing that to help their skin get clear, correct? Yes. And so it's uh, the exactly, it's not really a diet, it's, it's a way yeah. of eating. And sure. so it's, it's based on an anti-inflammatory diet. So most of the foods or really all of foods are anti-inflammatory. So it's very rich in vegetables and fruit. Um, there are, and everything is like real from nature, right? Whole foods, um, sure. whole grains instead of refined grains. So for example, uh, not that you can never have white rice, but favoring black rice and brown rice over white rice, which is refined. Mm -hmm. um, beans, nuts, seeds, animal protein, high quality animal protein. And, and the foods are very nutrient dense as well, because it's not just inflammation that that is the problem with acne, but also nutrient deficiencies are very sure. common among acne patients. So to give you a couple of examples, vitamin A, 
uh, omega-3 and zinc are three common nutrient deficiencies amongst acne patients. And you don't need to have all three. You might only have one, and that could be contributing to breakouts. And uh, for, for vitamin A and omega-3, what the research shows is the worse the deficiency, the more severe the acne. And simply, if that's the case, if that's one of your root causes, then simply adding in the foods that are rich in these nutrients are going to be helpful and beneficial at reducing the inflammation and reducing um, reducing acne. So it's really important. You know, I think a lot of times when it comes to diet and acne and diet and skin, everyone focuses on what to avoid because mm -hmm. there is quite a bit of data on like, for example, the, the dairy and the, the refined sugar and refined carbohydrates, but it's also about what you're adding in. So sure. I always like to, you know, encourage people to focus on what can you add in? What can you have more of? And how can you upgrade your favorite foods? Like I'm Italian. So I grew up eating cheese and milk and dairy. And I loved it at the time. But I know from experience and Believe me, I've, I've experimented multiple times over yeah. the years. When I eat dairy, I break out. And mm -hmm. this is not to say every single person on the planet is going to have the same experience as me. But what the research shows is that most people do. Mm -hmm. And so um, one way to kind of help get over that, uh, you know, wanting the dairy is, is finding an upgrade, I like to call it an upgrade. So a replacement dairy made from cashews or coconut or some sort of plant based source, there's coconut yogurts, there's uh, coconut ice creams and plant. Yeah, there, there's basically a plant based dairy alternative for for everything. Um, yeah. So or even like sweet things. It's a mat like I loved sugar. I was eating sugar like all day long, cookies and cakes and all of that stuff. And so in order to kind of wean myself off the sugar, what well, I would have upgraded versions of sweets. So things like banana ice cream, which is just simply frozen banana blended with whatever toppings like cacao powder or vanilla or whatever I wanted and blend it, make like a soft serve ice cream or making cookies from like dates and almond flour, for example, like things that were going to be a bit more nutrient dense, have more fiber, have a little bit more protein and fat in them to keep my blood sugar more stable versus a refined sugar, you know, refined flour cookie that I was eating before. So it's not about like, you don't have to necessarily give up things. Don't focus on that. Focus on what can you upgrade? What can you add in? Yeah. I love that. Just like shift in mentality. And it's not about depriving yourself. It's about nourishing yourself and finding ways that you can still find enjoyment without necessarily doing damage at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. So obviously you focus on sort of like the skin health, skin idea from the outside in. But while people are especially like going through your clear skin plan or anything like that, do you have specific suggestions that you make for them about what they can be doing skincare wise topically? So um, I do. Well, my main philosophy when it comes to skincare is the gentler, the better. Mm -hmm. I feel that the conventional route is usually the harsher, the better. Let's peel it off. Let's scrub it off. Uh, let's use acids and all of this stuff. But and if done correctly, and you know, you're, you have an esthetician that's helping you out, then maybe those things are good. But a lot of times what happens is people end up using 
too many harsh things, they're combining too many things, and it just makes the skin more red, more raw, more irritated, you're disrupting the skin barrier when you're mixing all these things. And it's just prolonging the redness and the inflammation and the breakouts. So what I found personally, and in my own research, and even with my own clients, I find that really the gentler, the better. Um, so using things that are naturally derived, and really allowing the skin to heal itself, when you mm -hmm. get a cut, you don't have to do much like yeah, you want to clean it, you know, maybe you put something on top of it like an ointment, but your skin is going to heal itself. When you sure. break a bone, your body is going to heal the bone. And so when it comes to acne, you don't really have to do much. And especially if you're working on reducing inflammation from the inside, supporting your immune system from the inside, right through your gut, your body is going to be able to handle it, and they'll be able to take care of it. So it's better that you just you know, gently cleanse, you know, maybe put a spot treatment, like I love tea tree oil, because it's anti inflammatory. It is also antimicrobial. So if you happen to pop something, which is not a good idea, but I know it happens, that will help prevent infection. Um, that could that could be helpful. But but generally, I yeah, I am not a fan of like the super harsh um, acids, and scrubs and, and all of that stuff. Yeah. And from what I've heard, like the harsher you are, the more you strip your skin down, it actually causes your skin to try to produce even more oil. So you're really prolonging the problem. Exactly. That's actually a good point. And something I, I completely forgot to mention, but yes, when you, your skin needs some oil. Mm -hmm. um, and so when it's like the three little bears, right? Not too much, not too little, just the right yeah. amount. And when you strip it all off with these cleansers or whatever you're using, your body will actually overproduce oil to compensate and it ends up backfiring, right? Because it has the opposite of the intended effect. Yeah. Uh, and one, one interesting thing, you know, we talked about a little bit earlier, like certain foods and things can actually influence your oil amount. So this is another misconception. I, I know back in the day and all these magazines, you know, what kind of skin type are you? And you even, I mean, you see, see it to this day, like companies will be like oily skin, dry skin, normal skin. Mm -hmm. And truth of the matter is all skin is normal skin. And it can become either more dry or less dry or more oily or less oily, depending on the environment to some extent, but also what you're putting in your body. And mm -hmm. so, uh, with oily skin, we know that certain foods and even probiotics can be beneficial. So for example, with Globiome, we actually just did a clinical trial for 12 weeks. And at the end of 12 weeks, it reduced oil, excess oil by about 35%. So, wow. um, you know, people who went from basically went from oily skin to normal skin in a matter of 12 weeks, just by addressing their gut health. So interesting. Yeah something to keep in mind. Yeah, for sure. Even if it's not necessarily just acne that you're dealing with, but I know just the oil production can be can be frustrating in general. So knowing that if you're dealing with your gut in that way, it can help all the things. I love it. I love it. It's so good. Thank you so much for sharing all those things, Maria. I feel like, yes, we were talking about how to have good skin health by dealing with your gut and everything, but it really affects all the different parts of your health and your life by just making some of these simple changes and trying to be more cognizant of how our nutrition is affecting our bodies. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I'm glad it's helpful. And, and I think it's really important for, for everyone to know that, yeah, you, you have more control over your skin 
and your health in general than you think. And yeah. uh, the body is also incredibly resilient. It responds, it responds to things as food, especially very quickly. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I think this was a power packed little talk we had that I hope people are going to take a ton away from. So thank you so much for all those things that you shared. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So as we are moving into the end of this episode, could you talk about what a typical day looks like for you? Sure. So um, I get up in the morning and I do like to get some sunshine in the morning. So I usually walk my dog uh, first thing in the morning, get some sunshine. This is great for circadian rhythm and sleep. Mm -hmm. Then I always have breakfast. I can't go a day without breakfast. And I aim to get 30 grams of protein in my first meal of the day because that also helps to keep your blood sugar more stable uh and and get rid of any sugar cravings later in the day um, what would then, be an example of a kind of breakfast that you would have that is that protein packed yeah so uh one of my favorite would be three eggs three scrambled eggs with whatever veggies i have on hand whatever herbs i'll mix in there like tomatoes and onions for example and then on the side of that i would have two uh, chicken sausages, for example, and that will equal, equal the 30 grams of protein. Uh, conversely, you could do uh, like a protein smoothie. So I also make a complexion perfection smoothie, I call it, which has blueberries, banana, um, and then protein powder, uh, hemp seeds, flax seeds, and between the protein powder and the seeds, it adds up to 30 grams of protein. And even though there's a cup of blueberries in there and an entire banana, it actually, I've tested it with the continuous glucose monitor. It actually keeps my blood sugar completely stable. Interesting. Um, it's high in the protein and it has also the healthy fats from, from the seeds. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So moving on, you have your high protein breakfast. High protein breakfast. And then I, um, and then I get to work. I, you know, work throughout the day, I definitely take a lunch break. I'm not a person that misses meals, I like to eat all my meals. And, uh, you know, for lunch, it's probably a piece of protein, like it could be, let's say a piece of salmon with um, some cooked stir fried veggies on the side or whatever, or whatever leftovers I had from dinner last night, I usually do that. Um, you know, finish work, I like to work out in the evening, like around 536 o'clock. I just feel like I used to work out in the morning, and I did enjoy it, but I just somehow enjoy working out at the end of the day better. I feel like it also closes my day, like forces me to get away from the computer and kind of end my my work day. Mm-hmm. Um, so work out, I do strength training in the evening at the gym, come home, have have some dinner with my husband, walk my dog, and uh, and go to sleep. I'm usually in bed by ten. Nice. That sounds lovely. Okay. What is also one little way that you produce living well anyway in your life? Just some little pleasure or thing that you do to take care of yourself in the midst of life's chaos. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of breath work. Uh, Actually, even before this podcast, whenever I need to center myself or just calm down or need a little calmness and peace, I do breath work. So I do something called the 2X breath where you breathe in for a count of three and out for a count of six for one minute. And I feel like it just completely resets you and just puts you in a calm, cool state of mind. I love that. Man, you've given us so many great tools in this episode. (laughs) These are going to be packed show notes. I love it. Okay. And are you ready for my stock questions? Let's do it. Okay. Candles or essential oil diffuser? 
essential oil diffuser 110%. Okay. Cloth napkins or paper? Cloth. City or country? That's hard, but I feel like I'm a city girl that's actually a country girl. Country. (laughs) Okay. Paper or digital? Paper. And if you were shopping, would you rather do it online or in-store? Online. It's whatever time you're making dinner and you need a mental break. Do you listen to a podcast or music? Used to be podcast, now music. And what kind of music would you listen to? Um, I love Beyonce. I love like pop music. It's nothing like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> to, to whatever. I just listen to pop music. That's totally fine. Okay. Do you like dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Dark chocolate. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Usually if I have health people on the podcast, that's what they say. <laughs> sports or no sports? Mm, not no sports. Okay. Live broadcasting. Would you rather broadcast or watch? I don't go live broadcast. I'm okay with that. Okay. What is your favorite movie? Mm, the Notebook. Oh, okay. And if you were to put yourself on the crunchiness spectrum, where zero is totally not crunchy and 10 is like singing Kumbaya by the fire with your legs unshaven and dreadlocks in your hair, where are you on the spectrum? Um, I would say about a nine. Okay. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I just really appreciate everything that you talked about and all the tools that you brought. I think it's going to be so helpful to so many people. So thank you, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. And I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, thanks. All right. That is it for this week's episode. Like I said at the beginning of the show, I have got all the things listed in today's show notes. She gave so many great tips, right? I mean, all the stuff about maintaining your blood sugar and all of that kind of thing. I've got it all written out in the show notes. You can have a really easy reference page to be able to find everything. Just go to mckenziecoppacom slash podcast and you can find it all there. Also, if you are doing any of your back to school shopping, make sure you go through my Amazon link at mckenziecoppacom slash Amazon. It will take you to Amazon and all of my lists. I've got a back to school shopping list there where you can find things like my recommendations on pens and backpacks and all of that good stuff all in one central place. And by shopping through our link, you push a little bit of extra love back to the podcast without it costing you any extra money. And you don't even have to buy the things that I recommend. You can buy whatever the heck you want. But if you go through that link, it helps support me and the show, which I so appreciate. And last, what I also mentioned at the beginning of the show is hopping over to mckenziecoppacom slash shop to get your back to school toolkit so that you can make sure you are fully prepped for back to school and you can have the easiest, smoothest back to school you've ever had yet. All right, ladies, thank you so much for joining this week. We are actually going to be taking next week off of the podcast for a little summer break, but we will be back the second week of August with more goodness. We've got so many great guests coming on the show soon that I'm so excited about and lots of fun topics and helpful topics that I think are going to be great for all of you. All right, until next time, go be bold and gracious. 